Welcome to the Brave New Workforce. My name is Trip O'Dell, and I am joined as ever by Larry Cornette, but not this week, Anna Kudina. I know, right? Calling <laughs> no, Anna Kudina. No supervision. <laughs> yes, it is dad's night out. Dad jokes all episode long. I know you've been all wanting day, them. every day. And Anna's not here to stop me. <laughs> Woohoo! No, Anna, Anna is uh, in an undisclosed location south of the border. Uh, she is hopefully not a guest of the Mexican federal police waiting for a money order of we some sort. We uh, don't know. We don't know. Uh, she is up to her Anna shady ways, uh, but taking a, a well-deserved break, uh, yes. from all of yes. the hard work she does. So this week we're talking about breaking the law or breaking the law, breaking the law. I fought the man and the man may not win. Uh, so this, well, we this, hope, we yeah. Hope. So this week we're talking about all the news related to these big tech companies getting called to task. So my former employer, Amazon, got dinged twice this week, which must be some sort of record by the National yeah. Labor Relations Board. Um, both in terms of union busting or u- interfering with union mm-hmm. formation uh, and penalizing people that are forming unions in some of their warehouses, um, as well as two of my former colleagues in design that uh, have been speaking publicly and criticizing the company and social media about their commitment uh, and, and doing work around trying to push for change around the carbon footprint and workers' rights. And whether or not you think that's a right thing, like there's a, there's a, it's a tricky balance because I think yeah. Larry, you've been there. I mean, you've you've gone through the media training and all that kind of stuff at big companies. <laughs> yes. There are certain <laughs> things we say and yes. there certain yes. things we don't say and there's an important but but talk about that a little bit. Like what was that like being the guy in the spotlight? Yeah, I definitely got a lot of media training, I would say at Yahoo probably more than anywhere else and it was um it was useful. Um, I learned how to kind of walk the walk and answer the questions the way we wanted to answer the questions. There was definitely kind of a no fly zone, you know, Yahoo would definitely have their list of things saying, okay, don't talk about this. Don't refer to the competitor, but they were pretty good about letting me do a lot of public speaking. I'll give them credit for that. Not so, not so true at other places. Um, (laughs) we know some individuals at Google, for example, that would love to be doing more public speaking, would love to be teaching some courses and has been told by their PR team and legal team, nope, you can't. Even for free. It's really restrictive. Yeah, even for free. Even for free. Like if you wanted to volunteer your time or help out, you know, with a public course or something like that, it's kind of got to go through legal and HR or or your public, you know, PR, whomever. Um, I remember during my tenure at Amazon, uh, the first time I got to talk uh, was at a, a an international conference, and it was super exciting. And the only way I got it through, because it used to be you had to have sort of head of division, VP level support, uh, mm-hmm. and legal sign off, and all this other stuff uh, to to get to speak. And I remember going to this conference. Uh, it was uh, in Toronto, uh, and the uh, 
it was great. It was like a, a, a career high point for me at that point because people really loved it. And I remember I was there and uh, I was at Audible at the time and our, and our CEO signed off on it. He thought it was great. Uh, and so he had that kind of juice to be able to do that. And I'm very thankful for Don for, uh, you know, supporting mm -hmm. that. And our legal kind of looked it over and they made me change the title because it was about texting and vehicles and listening and car safety. And they said, I called it something <laughs> like, uh, you know, designed for the I'm 70 mile an hour interface. And they made me change it to 55 miles an hour, uh, because they didn't want us to think that people actually drive the speeds that they do. But I mean, right, that was a small right. concession. And then the second time is when I met you, Larry, uh, the second time I got to speak in oh, a smaller flexible. conference. Yeah. At flexible, yeah. our friends at flexible. Um, and ironically, our uh, one of our friends uh, who run ran that conference is now at Google, and I don't even know if he right, can participate. Right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's had to dial back a bit, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but these are these are big career high points, and they're opportunities for companies to get their brand out there and talk about exciting things, but they're always afraid and they're, they're afraid of things like, I know, I know you say the wrong thing or you mention a, a, a product that hasn't been released or, and they put their right. intellectual property at, 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 at risk. Yeah. It's unfortunate because, uh, I think one of the places where we did probably the most speaking was at eBay and I'll give Justin Miller credit for that. He was uh, running design there when I was there and he knew it was one of the best acquisition tools we had. We were trying to attract talent and say, we are a different organization. We care about design. We're building a huge organization. It's going to be successful. And for people to believe that, they kind of have to see you in the world talking about design, talking about the wins, talking about the process. And they want to see people on stage that represent that organization and say, oh, they have some high quality design talent at that org. If you don't, how do people even know that you exist? I, I, that's a hundred percent true. In fact, that first, that first conference that I spoke at, uh, interaction design association that year, um, the, uh, I recorded, uh, I, I recruited a director level candidate right from there, there. and people and, there and, go. uh, mentored somebody, had a conversation with somebody who eventually led to being mm -hmm. hired at Amazon and, you know, uh, other people that, I've managed to like, you make these connections that are long-term and, but I remember distinctly right. going to an Amazon event and the recruiters coming up to me and saying, how did you get Clarence to speak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, it's really unfortunate. I think this comes down to employee empowerment. Mm -hmm. So I think all of this falls under employee empowerment and that's why the unions are being formed because employees feel like they aren't empowered. That's why some companies seem afraid of having employees speak at these events. Some of it is they may be nervous about what they're going to say. I think some of it is they're worried that you're going to get poached. And if that's what it takes for you to retain talent is to keep them from ever being seen in the public eye, you don't have a very good retention plan. It's, that's so, true. It's, it's sort of like my dog got out and they, somebody picked him up, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like we let him <laughs> off the farm. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's funny um, because you create these policies, these policies that are there to legitimately protect the company's interests, but then you lock it down to a degree 
you know, whether it's your IT policies or your publishing policies. I remember when I signed on at another major company, Microsoft, I had to sign mm-hmm. away every idea that I, I had to claim yeah. going into the yeah. door, ideas that I had or IP that I owned or companies that I had an interest in and sign away every other idea that I had before <laughs> yes. I could I could be employed there. And if I even wrote a book, even if it was something completely unrelated to work, Microsoft owned it. They owned my, my time, whether I was, it was like the worst Santa Claus ever. They knew when I was sleeping, (laughs) they knew when I was awake. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's really stifling. In many ways, it's stifling collaboration across companies and within the industry, things that can make things better. Um, it's stifling, you know, innovation. I mean, that's one of the worries about patents and all that kind of stuff. But if you really aren't even allowing people to talk or to have ideas and form new companies, then innovation is going to stagnate. I mean, you can't, you can't trap all this brain power within a company and hope that, you know, people can never have a creative thought or ever start an exciting new company if they leave if you're telling them any thought you had while you were our employee is our property. And that's particularly hard, like in our area of work or uh, uh, design, uh, because when you're a designer, you're only as good as your portfolio. You're only like every design role yeah, that, you, that you interview for, you have to show what you've done. And everybody, mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. you get in there, you know that you can't show stuff that hasn't shipped. But there's right. always this gray area of the, and you, you're not even supposed to have access to the files that you had while you were there, but everybody wants to show, wants you to see how <laughs> you got there. And so right, many people, right. and I've done this is that I have to go back and recreate the work that I did while I was there to show what the development is. And it's a storytelling exercise and I don't do this, but everybody keeps versions of those files for their portfolio because it's like, right. You start out and if you did it that way, you can't get a job and you have a right to work. Well, that's the irony. Yeah. I don't get it. It's, that's the irony because every company has that policy. Mm -hmm. I think they all officially have that policy. You can't show any work that you had, you created while you're here, only stuff that's in the public domain. And yet every single interview is like, show me your portfolio, show me your process. So show me the assets, the things that you were creating along the way. I want to see your thinking. Like, I don't want to see the final product. Plus, as we know, anybody that works in technology knows that the final product that ships looks, it's a shadow of what you actually had in mind for the product. Yeah. yeah, That's an issue too. That's the hardest part, right? Is like that gray area between what shipped, what really shipped. And you know that so much ended up on the cutting room floor. Is that cutting room floor within bounds? Yeah, is it? Exactly. Um, uh, And is there a, a, because I mean, there are some places that will walk you out the door in the middle of your portfolio presentation if they, if they think that you're showing them something that has, I mean, you have to really know what you're doing. And the, uh, it's, it's really, really uh, hard for a lot of people. It is, it is, it is. You know, and then we were looking at some of the stuff that's been going on at Google, (laughs) Uh, both in terms of the ethical AI group and everybody's familiar with the firings that happened uh, last year, I guess it was, 
And now there was another resignation of a manager that was in that organization that was supportive of those individuals who pretty much got reorged out of a job. Um, so he resigned. I think that was just announced today. And these are people that they were just trying to do their job. They were trying to educate their superiors, the executives, about stuff that they considered to be bias in, in the algorithms. And they wanted to present a paper on this. And we're told that they couldn't. They were told that it made the company look bad. And, and they were like, well, this is ex- literally the title of my job. This is what I'm supposed to be doing is looking for ethics violations and bias and so forth. And the fact that you're telling me I shouldn't do it means I'm not even doing my job. I can't even respect myself. Well, and that was the first person that they let go. The second person knew what happened and was looking for they she That's she right. got yeah. she got nailed for downloading a deck that basically proved the case that this person was targeted mm-hmm. because they were doing their job and saying the unpopular thing and this was retaliation right. against this person they and they're monitoring like what you're downloading they're looking at that and they found yeah. that and they said well we have a policy about downloading that and so right. that person yeah. got pushed out because of that and it was <laughs> so they're trying to prove retaliation and they were retaliated for trying to prove the retaliation <laughs> the right? irony of that right right yeah yeah but um and the funny thing about this is that you know they have all these IT policies but people are always smarter than the system especially at these companies right like um I mean, you look at it, like they, they look at like hacks and firewalls and, and locking down mm-hmm. laptops and blocking ports and all of these things that they can do to your laptop that make your job a thousand times harder. They shut off all the good stuff <laughs> that makes your computer easier to collaborate yes, with. Yes. Um, <laughs> but then you have like the worst hacks, the worst thing are somebody that's disgruntled or really think something's going wrong. You get the rich, mm-hmm. the the uh, the Snowden situation, where the guy basically took a USB drive and handed yeah. it, to, or 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 uh, Chelsea right, Manning, right. like for all of that stuff. It's usually somebody that's pissed off. They want to get back at the company, and it's all yeah. social engineering. Somebody somebody finds the weak link, mm-hmm. and the and mm-hmm. and it's the worse you treat your people, the the worse it, the outcome can be. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think people forget there are laws in place to protect whistleblowers. So when someone is reporting something that's an issue within a company, they're not supposed to be retaliated against. They're not supposed to be punished. So all these companies, I think, are realizing that what they thought they had complete control over their employees and they were in these absolute positions of power. Social media has changed that. I think the the dynamic that's happening right now, the culture has changed that. That someone can say, wow, I just got fired for doing my job at this company and they go on social media and it's just on blast. And it's, it is so damaging for the company. It's like, you probably lost tens of millions of dollars in goodwill and people who now have withdrawn from partnerships, people who no longer want to be your customers. Was it worth it? Was it really worth it to treat the employee that way? And now you're suffering the consequences of that. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's a little short-sighted. Well, and I mean, I can't get into details, but I've personally experienced that. I mean, I've personally mm-hmm. experienced uh, getting pushed out for saying the unpopular thing uh, yeah, or yeah. or confronting something. 
Um, and I've had to do that and I've had to get really savvy. I've had to learn that. I, I, I tried to do it the right way or the honorable way the first time. And it got, I got dinged for it. Um, and, uh, I can't talk about it because I had a family to support and I had to sign an agreement and, you know, those sorts of things that they, they kind of pay you off. Right. Uh, and it's like, leave you, you walk out now with nothing or you walk out with something and you don't speak badly about people. Right. There's so much of that. So right. many settlements. So, so yeah. for everybody that goes on blast on social media, I mean, there was an article in the New York times today about this woman who loved her job at Google. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, the headline was, is, uh, I'll never let myself love a job again because of what yeah. happened to her because she was sexually harassed and yeah. they didn't, they didn't do anything. Right. And mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked mm-hmm. about these sorts of retaliation situations. Um, you know, when I had to do that the second time I was dealing with a very senior person, an executive, and I had to get involved with counsel and I had to know like with, mm-hmm. with, with the lawyers and I had to know precisely what my, my protections were and be able to hold that line. Right. And you're right. under pressure, you know, this, you're, you're, especially when you're dealing with power, there's, and these companies are incredibly powerful. They can destroy your career. They can blackball you. They can make sure yeah. that you never work again. And, um, I actually got part of a settlement when I was at Adobe because they were colluding with other companies on saying, well, we don't poach from each other. Yeah. eBay was part of that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. They're like, let's not, uh, let's not offer better salaries to entice people to come over. And so they were kind of price fixing people's salaries so that they couldn't, it was all going to be a lateral move to go from Google to eBay to Adobe. Yeah. And that was a, that was a bad time. That was a bad time. And it wasn't even like, I mean, when I, I mean, I was part of a big layoff at Adobe, that stuff was still secretly in place. And I was like, I don't know why I'm getting radio silence from all these companies. Like I should be very qualified (laughs) for this. And the one company that immediately wanted to talk to me was the uncool kids at Microsoft that weren't part of that agreement. Right. right? They were, they were like, yeah, Yeah, come work for us. So it was, it was a, um, you know, it, it, it has an effect on people that, they didn't do anything wrong and they're trying to, they're trying to grow their career. They're trying to do the right thing for the company. They want to be out there boosting for the company and you have to be so, so careful with what you say, what you talk about. You know, I always make the joke. I don't talk about fight club and it took me years (laughs) after leaving Amazon to even criticize or say anything because I was afraid of the repercussions. I had a similar situation when I moved to another company. Um, you know, you're not supposed to solicit employees from your previous employer. And, and I wasn't, but what was happening is I had people reaching out to me. And so they were like, yeah, we're not happy with what's happening here. Do you have any openings? And of course I was hiring. You're always hiring. And I said, yeah, I'm hiring. If you want to come and interview, that'd be great. No solicitation. I got a cease and desist. You know, we ended up hiring quite a few people and then the lawyers came after me and I was like, I'm not soliciting. I am not, you can check my email. I'm not messaging anyone. I'm not asking anyone to come here. They're reaching out to me. 
they're even reaching out to the recruiters here. And I said, I'll be out of the loop. They can talk to the recruiters and they can come over. They're like, I know it's fine. Just no more. You can't hire any more people from that company. It's like, and that exactly that situation where it's like, this would have been good for those individuals to leave a situation that wasn't good for their careers anymore. And yet they're being told, nope, we can't talk to you. You can't come into this company. <laughs> it's yeah. like, unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, that's the, so, you know, the, there's the reminiscing of the good old days, right. Uh, of, uh, you know, all of these things. I mean, and it's not all terrible, right. I mean, like there, there are, these policies are in place for a good reason. I mean, arguably if you've got employees actively slamming you, you know, uh, and saying untrue things or hypercritical things, you've got still slander and libel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But even, even like they're a constant thorn in the side, like the question then becomes is like, well, do you want to be here or not? Right. Like, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, I think there's an element of like, well, you're not necessarily entitled to that job. I mean, there is a, like, sure. if you're that unhappy, you can go someplace That's true. else. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, no, 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 you can't go there. You know, you can't work in this (laughs) industry. You can't work within a hundred miles of us, you know, and that, that happens all the time. And I think there's a rebalancing. The pendulum has gone so far, you know, they, I mean, uh, I'm I'm tie it to history. They used to talk about company towns, uh, in factories, like the factories would set up a town and company store. And, and I mean, they do have company stores there on campus. Like you can buy all your swag and we got discounted boxes and, Adobe software and all that kind of stuff. But um, when you start getting places like Facebook, where it's so expensive to live in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then they're building apartments on campus. Google's doing it too. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, hey, come here, work here. Company Town's coming back. Company Company Town's town's coming back. back. And there are a lot of bad (laughs) things. I mean, I don't think you're going to see riots in Palo Alto anytime soon. Um, (laughs) And it's hard to necessarily like have the same, I mean, it's not like these are sweatshops in the same way that sweatshops in the oh, sure. yeah. 1890s yeah. were. Um, but it comes down to if it's a free country and it's a free economy and people have freedom of speech and not necessarily freedom from consequences of speech. I mean, you talk about cancel culture. Um, right. That's tricky as well. Right. Companies that that are worried about, I mean, people saying things that are unpopular or damage the brand. You know, when you're mm-hmm. when your company mm-hmm. is it's like, you know, Trip Odell and, you know, Amazon employee, you know, or it, that's a tricky, right. scary situation to be in. Yeah. I mean, and I have. I mean, I have mixed feelings about unions. <laughs> I've had some interesting, I remember my first interaction when, I mean, I knew about unions. We're all mm-hmm. familiar with Jimmy Hoffa. Um, I think I was in New York and I was at a conference and we we needed to move some tables. They just kind of weren't set up right or whatever it was. And I got up and I was like, well, grab the other side of the table and we'll just move it. And I kid you not, somebody ran from across the room from the facilities and said, stop. We have a union contract nothing can be picked up or moved 
It has to be people who are associated with this company through our union contract. You're not allowed to move a chair. You're not allowed to move a table. I was like, really? He's like, so that was my first true interaction with the union. It was, it was kind of interesting, but I can see to our point, what we've been saying is that if you are an individual and you're going up against a multi-billion dollar company with thousands of lawyers, what is your chance of success? And you start to feel like like the young lady who that was in that article. It's like, well, I have no choice but to leave the company and I have to go do something different because clearly I have no power here. You know? Well so and unions I, can help in that situation. Well, and it's it's funny, like sometimes I mean it's 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 hard. I mean, people at these at these big tech companies make a lot of money. I mean, not in the warehouses at Amazon. Right. Uh, right. But if you're a principal user experience designer or a senior man, you're very well compensated. And I know Marin Costa, uh, who was one of the mm. women and I love Marin. She's, she's ornery. I mean, she will, mm -hmm. she's standing up for the right thing. I talked to her, uh, briefly after she left and, um, she's standing up, uh, to, for something that she deeply believes in. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. she's, just fine and and as recently you know become employed but like that's a lot that's a lot easier to do when you have vested stock in one of the most va sure. highly valued companies you know if you're if you're a, a person supporting a family doesn't have a lot yeah. of disposable income it's a very different picture uh but i agree right, with you like right. the union's when I was teaching, there was a reason that I taught in Catholic schools. I taught in Catholic schools because I wanted to teach. I didn't want to mm -hmm. get involved in the politics. I want, it was there for the kids. And you see that where, and, and I think like unions, as they are traditionally understood, Amazon won't work in the way that it works today. You won't get your next day package delivery. You won't get right, your, right. your anything all the time store. So it's it's uh it's a trade-off it's it's really mm -hmm. what kind of workplace mm -hmm. do you want and i think there's a that's the role of government is to come in and sort of help balance things when they get out of whack that's what right. that's what when right. government's working well yeah i mean that is the point right because we love capitalism but capitalism run rampant doesn't always look out for the individual well um, i mean come on this isn't really capitalism I mean, like, like this is not totally free market. Let's not pretend. No, it's true. If you, you know, get a bailout from the government, it's not capitalism. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and um, taking care of people, you're doing the right thing, making sure that it's at least fair or not just so overwhelmingly overbalanced and sort of resetting right, the rules right. isn't socialism. Yeah. The other thing I think people should keep in mind, and, and I talk with people about this all the time as a, as a career coach, is that it may look sexy and you may be attracted to the fang companies, um, the big Facebooks and the Amazons and so forth of the world, the Googles. You might want to think about what that actually means in terms of what your life will be like inside that company. And I'm working with some folks right now that are making that trade-off of looking at what would my life be like working at one of the fang companies? What's my life going to be like at this smaller startup? But the startup's going to give me 
autonomy, a team. I'm going to report directly to the CEO. It's a growth opportunity. They're not this this one person said, I can't believe how nice they are. They're like being really and they showed me an email. They're like, look how nice they are. They care about me. And I said, they probably really do. They're a small enough company that they still care about their employees and hopefully they'll retain that. And that in is night and day, the way they are being treated by this startup and the way they're being treated by a fan company. Yes. And the fan companies are super nice when you're interviewing too, right? Like I had, I, I had a friend who he's like, why don't you come to dinner at Facebook? Uh, and so I, I did that and yeah, yeah. I see all these families in there eating and all like, and I'm looking around and, yeah. uh, you know, I was like, how do you, Oh, I love it so much. I, you know, I get whatever I want, whatever I want. And I was like, yeah, but we're here for dinner. Uh, and the food's good, yeah. But yeah. Uh, that guy over there with his two kids and his wife—they're leaving, and he's staying, right? He's and, staying. And he ultimately left because mm. they wouldn't let him ride his bike to work anymore. They were like, "Your time is too valuable. <laughs> we want you to be safe. You should just Uber and expense it." Uh, because really? they wanted him working, they wanted him on his laptop. Mm. They, they, you know, I see. And those. Those Facebook, I mean, when Facebook employees talk to the press, uh, they get burner phones. They go across this, they, they get like boost mobile phones because, uh, <laughs> because they know that Facebook is tracking the IP addresses on their phones. Oh, sure. Sure. So yeah. they don't, they, yeah. they, they, they're looking at like, where's that reporter's phone and where's that, you know, <laughs> like, like they're, they're Great. looking, yeah. they're always looking. I'm sure they are. I should really, I'm sure they are. I, I mean, I think the big takeaway from all this is smart companies. And we've been talking about this with the brave new workforce for over a year now is that the world is changing. The economy is changing. The opportunities are changing. I'm talking with people that are blown away that they are being approached by companies in completely different countries now because they're open to remote work and they want to work with the best people no matter where they are. I'm That's, blown away I mean, that, that I just saw the CEO of ConvertKit. I think I tagged you on this. He said, the next move for us and for every company is, can we start paying people for value delivered instead of where they live? And that's what they're doing. And it's what we've talked about. It's like, well, we've talked about, I mean, changed. like you, you've given me advice. I'm working, I'm working, I'm doing exactly <laughs> that right now. I, I have yeah. a team. I just joined a new company. I'm loving it. It's awesome. I don't know if we've announced it. Do you want yeah. to announce it? So yes, I am now, uh, leading part of the product design organization at Pearson education. So I'm getting back to my roots in education, yes. which I'm super <laughs> excited about. Um, you know, uh, one, the, uh, my boss is in California. Her boss, who you are a big fan of, uh, is in California. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yes. small uh, world, small, small world. world. Uh, and, uh, my team is in, I'm, I'm in Philadelphia and my team is in London. Right. And, uh, it's a big old school company that's learning new tricks. And that is exciting to be there. And I never would have had this opportunity had it not been for this last year. Companies are That's true. finding talent where it is. And I get I just got back from lacrosse practice with my son. I got to take the <laughs> afternoons cool off. That? I blocked cool my I, I'm I'm helping coach's team. I never could do that 
when I was yeah. living in an on-site culture. That's true. That's true. So if you're a manager or you are even at a higher level, an executive founder, CEO of a company, I'm hoping you're the kind of person that would do this naturally, but think hard about empowering your employees, giving them some autonomy, giving them some freedom, letting them do things like speak, letting them do things like let you know when something's wrong. Don't punish them for that. In the end, I think it's going to be good for your company too. And we know it's great for the employees. So it's like, we need to change this whole model. This whole model of suppression and punishment has to change. We can't continue it. Well, and the other thing is, why the hell would you hire somebody you don't trust? You know, it's the, yeah, and the point. advice that you and I always give to clients is go where you'll grow. And yes. if you're growing yeah. where you are, if you're having opportunity, and not everybody wants to be a VP. They, they yeah. like doing the work and they like talking about the work and they like that. And you're not getting, most of us don't get paid to speak. I would love to get paid to speak more. Yeah, right? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> but we like sharing our knowledge. We like being yeah, able to yeah. demonstrate what we know and share it with others. And why wouldn't you do that? Because when you see somebody who's that engaged with their company and that excited about what they're working on and that level right, of pride, right. it attracts the best talent because they want that too. Absolutely. Well, that's a good place to end it. I'm thinking, thank you everybody for listening. Um, Anna's not here, so I'm going to speak for Anna. Yeah, because I never remember. Like I'm not the social media I know, I'm guy. I'm trying to remember it myself. The Twitter. It's not Brave New World Ideas <laughs> no, 1 anymore. it's no. not. Yeah. It, yeah. We're on Twitter at BNWF. It's the, the letters in Brave New Workforce. BNWF Podcast. That's our handle on Twitter. And you can email Anna at thebraveworkforce.com if you'd like to give us a suggestion for a show. Ask us a question. We'd love to engage with you guys especially we've started doing this thing. We did our first hot seat. Oh yeah. The hot seat. Our, for our first hot seat, which is learning about behavioral interviewing or, you know, people that want a little help or maybe even a, a quick portfolio review, you know, from mm -hmm, some people mm -hmm. that have been there, done that, hired lots of designers or a, a resume review. You don't have to work in tech. If you like what we right. do, you know, uh, I'll tell you, it's a lot cheaper than paying us directly. Like you want five minutes of free work, <laughs> you know, come in, we'll talk to you. It helps. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. We'd love to hear from you. Well, Trip, you want to walk us out? Shoot, walking us out. Why would I walk us out? Because one foot in front of the other, we can walk forward together because better <laughs> days are ahead. <laughs>